together we can create our new digital leader. Connection, engagement, confidence. Do we feel we are in a psychologically safe place? Language shouldn't be able to stop you from career progression. We are changing the, the future landscape of business, of leadership. Hello, and welcome to the Changemaker Conversations, brought to you by HealthTF Corporate Education. My name is Dr. Milena Kupez, and in this series, we aim to bring you insights and stories from leaders and leadership developers who create change and inspire others to do the same. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Winnie Ananforsen, who is an award-winning head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Royal Mail. She's also an ICF accredited coach and is passionate about creating equitable spaces that enable underrepresented groups to thrive. Winnie spends a lot of time advocating for positive outcomes for others. On that note, she's a Black British Business Award Professional Services Rising Star and also We Are the City Rising Star Award winner, recognized for building diverse communities that drive social change. Winnie, and you're a head of diversity, equity, and inclusion of this organization, and I know you're passionate about change. Mm -hmm. So I would like to start by asking you, how do you feel the two go together and where do we even start? Yeah, absolutely. So um, especially in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, there's been so much change and evolution over the 11 plus years that I've worked in this space and even beyond that. I think diversity, equity, and inclusion is a space that can really typically be driven by um, trends in society. So um, for anyone who's been following this space in a while, for a while, I know personally, I started my journey looking at the generational lens. You know, when I started in the workplace, there was a lot of dialogue around um, millennials and, you know, how this new generation wanted to work in the workplace and how fascinating they are. And obviously the dialogue has now shifted more to Gen Zs. But following the, the death of George Floyd, there's been a lot of dialogue around the race space. And prior to that, there was a lot around gender. Now, that's not to discount the continuous dialogue around the LGBT plus agenda, the disability space, and all the dimensions of difference that people bring to the fore. And because of that, I always say the best way to navigate change when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion is to have focus when it comes to strategy. I'm very passionate about the importance of taking time to look at the strategy of an organization and where they want to go in the DEI space. The temptation often for companies is to think about DEI as a nice to have, when actually we know that companies can be, you know, 35% or more profitable when DEI is at the heart of its core. And that doesn't just mean from a colleague and inclusion lens, it also means from a customer lens for impact on the community, etc. So having a strategy is a great way for organizations, not just to be pivoting um, as trends in society change, but to really think about what the focus is and what problems the company is trying to solve to be able to make an impact, not just within its four walls, but also in the society in which we exist. And one of the things that I think is fundamental to, a, to a, an organization strategy is thinking about where the company is now. So always start with 
where you are and what you are trying to achieve. What is the context around you? What is the scale of the organization? What communities do you impact? What locations are you based in? And what are the biggest challenges and issues that exist in that community? What is the talent pool that you're, you're, you're fishing from? And essentially be able to work that through. I, I've certainly pivoted my career between global organizations and then a UK predominant organization in which I'm in now. And typically the law, um, you know, the context that governs um, the UK, for example, compared to other countries that I've worked with or in, is typically very different. The language around DEI is different. So a strategy enables you to bring all of these nuances together and enables you to work out where you are as an organization, where your industry is, um, and what challenges you have to navigate and where you want to get to. Another thing I like to think about is, um, you know, maturity in the DEI space. You know, many organizations start out looking at their compliance in this space. So it might be putting out a, um, a bit of a statement, for example, talking about its intent around DEI. But the thing is, as we talk more about DEI in the industry that we're in and in the work in the world that we live in now, people are more savvy and can tell the difference between a company that is compliant or sometimes just performative. And really the way I see the direction of DEI going, and certainly if you look at the Deloitte DEI maturity model, it talks about working from compliance into programmatic where you are working on increasing representation, which actually a lot of companies get stuck. And then moving into that leader led piece where leaders are taking ownership for the DEI strategy and it doesn't just sit with the HR team, but it feels like something that leaders are embodying and trying to drive. And then moving into that integration space where DEI feels like it's part of the psyche of the business and, um, you know, feels like it's living and breathing, that most companies can feel the impact of the organization's strategy across the piece. And for me, th that's that's important to look at when you almost take that first point I made around what is the context that the company is working in? And then where does the company want to get to in its maturity around DEI? I think those are very important points to look at. And, and finally, the last point I'll make when it comes to fundamentals around DEI strategy is data and feedback um, is so important when you're looking at the context to look at the trends that data is telling you. And the advice I like to give most people when they're at the starting point on the DEI journey is fix your data you know, look at where you have gaps in the way you collect your data, look at your parameters and what you can and can't collect and try and understand, you know, over time, building that those pipes to help you understand the landscape is probably the most worthy investment. Um, but also coupled with listening to people, listening to your customers, listening to your colleagues and understanding what they need from your organization will really set the scene and making sure you understand your context and also can set a really strong direction for the maturity in your organization around um, the strategy. Thank you, Winnie. That makes a lot of sense to me. It really sounds that for real change to happen, it needs to be intentional. It needs to be strategic. And um, that I can't help but wonder, what are some of the risks if we don't get this DEI strategy right? Hmm. Um, I think that's a great question because, you know, there's so many challenges, like I talked about before, in terms of knowing where to start from a DEI strategy. And I think 
most companies will will start and then get overwhelmed with the amount of progress that needs to be made so i think for me the first risk is the risk of being overwhelmed especially when you're a global organization so in my previous role i had um a broader remit around uk europe and middle east and each of those geographies had very unique challenges so if you don't have a clear strategy if you don't have a clear global roadmap and then um, a local nuance to go with it that can be very difficult and I think that goes back to that piece around um, understanding your organizational context you know it's a balance between going global and looking local um, looking at the systemic challenges but just narrowing them down to bite-sized chunks um, and, and look that in itself is difficult to do because DEI is such a beast at times that it doesn't feel bite-sized, but trying to create some tangible actions as part of your strategy enables you to not feel overwhelmed. And I would say that's the first risk. When you're overwhelmed, it's very difficult to then make meaningful change and, and drive broader impact. Um, I think one of the other things that is important in looking at that overwhelm piece and being strategic in the way that you build out actions is most people who are colleagues, people in the community, people who are customers, they want to know that you're doing a few really impactful things that you really mean it when you say you're going to do and actually follow through and talk about the impact of those things. But people don't often want to be left out of the dialogue around DEI. So the temptation for most organizations is to look at targets. And I know that's something that we do as well because um, targets are a way of identifying where there is a lack of equity and being able to take meaningful action to help move the dial to 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 positively affect underrepresentation and improve representation where there are hot spots however that goes hand in hand with making sure there is a broader strategy that is intersectional so that when people from different identity um groups or people who have different dimensions of difference can see something for them on the strategy and i think being able to be clear and strategic really avoids being overwhelmed while making sure that you demonstrate a broader duty of care across different dimensions of difference. I think the second risk also is seeming performative. So back to the point I made earlier around um, the maturity model, when you are just taking actions to look like you care about DEI on the outside, um, that's a big risk because people are more savvy now than they've ever been. They have more access to information now than they've ever been. So making sure that DEI doesn't just look like it's something that the company is passionate about, but is ingrained in every part of the business is is, is important. And, and that performative piece is the second risk I would highlight. But then the third is lack of impact. And I think that goes hand in hand with feeling overwhelmed. I think making a clear statement around an organization's strategy is just as important as talking about the impact that's made on the strategy. People want to hear real life stories. People want to hear um, how the change that's being made will affect them. Um, so just making sure that you have a clear strategic view on what your impact will look like and communicating that impact versus investment, I think can make a really big difference. So I, I love to use this analogy that if a tree falls in the forest and no one was there to see it, does that mean it really fell? And that's exactly how we need to think about it when it comes to this specific risk around lack of impact. Um, impacts needs to be made, but if no one can hear about that impact, then people don't always know that that positive impact is being made. So 
that is what I would say the third um, risk of not getting it right is. It does sound indeed like it's more important than ever to get the strategy right. You mentioned the risk of seeming performative, the risk of being overwhelmed, and the risk of lacking of impact. And these seem like incredible foundational aspects. One thing that I started thinking about is that equity has become an emerging theme in the D&I space. And I'm wondering, how can a strategy then be more equitable? What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. So as I mentioned before in our conversation, DEI strategy really does need to look beyond the colleague experience, look at customer, look at the community, especially for organizations where we often have the resources um, to impact the community in a positive way. And for an organization like Royal Mail, we're very privileged to have a really strong reach across the UK, like I said before, we touch every single household in the UK. So how can we utilize that reach to make a positive impact in our community? And I think for me, when we look at equity, it's looking at barriers and blockers that exist for people around us. And how can we use our scale and impact as DEI professionals, as organizations, as leaders, to break down some of those barriers in society, take strong stances against issues and lend a voice to, to improving those things, right? Um, and I think for me, once again, that looks beyond the colleague experience. But if we start with the colleague experience in itself, it's looking at barriers to entry for different dimensions, difference or people from different underrepresented groups. So it might be people with disabilities and how we make sure that, um, you know, we create as many opportunities for accessibility as we can to make it possible for people um, to have access to jobs. You know, the disabled community community still tends to be one of the most um, unemployed across all dimensions of difference. So how do we make sure that we're looking at what the experience looks like for a disabled individual and how barriers are broken to, to make that possible? But in addition to that, when we look across all dimensions of difference, we still have really big issues around gender equity, really big issues around race equity, um, you know, support for the LGBT plus community within their organizations or in the broader community and more awareness around challenges. And all of these issues that I've mentioned also bring intersectional challenges. So we know, for example, even in the example around pay gaps, um, we know that um, how that looks for, for women um, across different ethnicities, across different um, forms of sexuality, across different um, abilities looks very different. So for me, it's about identifying where blockers exist for different communities and how do we remove them? And then I, I talked about that beyond um, the customer lens and the community lens as well. So one of the things we're looking at at Royal Mail is our socioeconomic inclusion plan and how we can create more opportunities. You know, as an organization, we do, um, you know, care very passionately about the reach that we have and how we make sure that we reach out into the community, help people from lower socioeconomic backgrounds have access to roles and opportunities and remove any blockers that are standing in their way to getting some of those opportunities. And whether that's within our organizations or externally, supporting other organizations to do the same. Um, and then if you look at customers, for example, um, 
how are we helping them to achieve their ambitions? And, and at Royal Mail, once again, our customer lens looks so different. So we work through large companies who trust us to get parcels to customers. But at the same time, we work with a lot of small business owners and many of them that are um, from underrepresented communities. You know, you have female owned businesses, you have black owned businesses and businesses owned by Asian people, people with disabilities. So thinking about how we can make some of our services more accessible is important. And, and some small examples that, um, you know, I can share just for anecdotes that I've been able to hear from colleagues is things like our posties prioritizing re-delivering parcels um, to, to our customers rather than asking them to come to our delivery offices to pick them up because we know that making it easier for people to receive their packages on their doorstep is increasingly important, for example. Um, so there are so many opportunities that we have to make a difference and, and looking at that beyond um, our colleague experience is important. There are a couple of other things that I, um, I'd like to talk about. So one is around um, intersectionality and layers of oppression. Um, I talked about gender pay gaps as one, where if we look at statistics, we know that there are typically intersections between the ethnicity pay gap and the gender pay gap for Black women, Asian women, and women from other underrepresented um, ethnic groups. So how do we look at some of these issues, not just from one lens, but more equitably um, across different intersectional dimensions of difference? And when I talked about that data quality piece, I think that's another opportunity that we have with data. If you're in a place as an organization where you are now building the pipes around the quality of data you collect, another great opportunity to think about how you can look at some of those data points intersectionally. And I think that's a massive opportunity for driving equity. It really does sound like it's a massive opportunity, Winnie. And honestly, I'm just blown away by how much you were able to share on how to set a DEI strategy for real change. Um, for everybody listening to this podcast, what would you say are the top takeaways when defining strategy? Um, so I, I guess mostly in summary to some of the themes I've mentioned, the first thing would be start with a current state assessment. So looking at benchmarking um, yourselves against other organizations and looking at different trends that emerge around um you know, what's going on externally and what people are looking for from their organizations and how well your organization is able to meet that based on your infrastructure. But then also that data and listening piece, looking internally and thinking what is appropriate for my company versus other companies. So once again, to give you an example, you know, I talked about representation um, earlier and, you know, things like targets. It's all well and good having a target for let's say, increasing ethnic representation. But if the location of your business is in an area where the area in itself is underrepresented for people of ethnic, different ethnic groups, you might want to think about how you can contribute to the accessibility of that community to different groups before you attract them to your company. Because if not, you'll just have a target that you'll not be able to meet. So looking internally and looking in the broader context is important. Equally, another example that I can use when we look at that internal versus external piece is when I was looking um, at a broader remit, um, let's say for example in in the middle east where i was supporting they wouldn't use the language disability for example when they talk about um their people they use the term um um people of determination 
is the term they use. So once again, things like language is important. What is the language that is used around this space? And how do we make sure we do that internal review to make sure anything that we produce fits with our internal and our current state um, in terms of the landscape we're working in? So that would be the first. Start with your current state and, and look internally. The second is establish what culture you're trying to create. How do you want your stakeholders to feel? And, and what is the, the reputation you want to have with your stakeholders? And then think about where the gap is between here right now and where you wanna get to. So back to that maturity piece. Um, but equally, when you are doing that listening, when you are looking at your data, it gives you a really great indicator into how your colleagues, your customers um, and your community are feeling and, and what they what their expectations are. So you're able to assess where the gap is and then create very meaningful action that will help drive positive outputs and, and also making those outputs as measurable as you can. Um, you know, a lot of DEI will appeal to hearts and minds, but a lot of it will also be actual tangible, measurable effort that you're able to talk to because people want to know the impact that you're making. So that's the second thing. Establish the culture you're trying to create and establish where the gap is to, to how you get there. Then the third thing I would say is tell the story. Bring stakeholders into the fold continuously. And it's almost that piece around this is what you told us to do and this is how we've achieved that. What more do you want to hear? Because Working on diversity, equity and inclusion is not a one size fits all. It's not a destination. It's a journey. And we've talked about different trends in the industry and different ways that we are learning. And whilst a lot of problems are, are still the same, you know, a lot of the challenges that we hear about are still the same challenges we're hearing about many years ago, which is un it's a very frustrating and unfortunate place to be. But it just goes to show that there are some interventions that are still very much needed and still need a lot of focus. But at the same time, when the tide shifts in society, it, it makes sure that we are best placed to hear what the changes are and what is important to focus on as you ensure that you're moving with that change that you talked about right at the beginning of that of the podcast. And then the final thing I will say is never stop listening. So as you're bringing stakeholders into the fold, telling them the story about what's happening, listening to their feedback, never stop that listening because what the feedback will be this year will be very different to what it would be next year. You know, we've all been affected by the pandemic and we know that you know, you've got things like the cost of living crisis right now. The different needs of different groups will differ all the time based on the trends in society, based on any systemic issues that are being faced. So making sure that we are listening and listening intersectionally, listening across different communities, not pigeonholing specific groups um, will be very important and, and, and bringing everyone on that journey um, as, as you go along. So those are the, the four things I would say. Thank you Winnie for summing them up so nicely. Uh, you have incredible advice and I'm just so confident that you're setting up Royal Mail for real change in the DNI space and I'm really excited to see what you will achieve. I would love to ask you one last question. It's a question that we ask all of our speakers and that is what is the one thing you know now that you wish you would have known 10 years ago? Hmm, that's a really good question. I think for me and and 
one of the things that I always say, I actually didn't mention this at the beginning of the podcast, but I think it's very important to mention it now. I'm um, an, a first generation immigrant myself. Um, and I moved to England about 15 years ago when, um, you know, at the age of actually not 15, 17 years ago now, gosh, that really does fly by. And one of the things that's been hugely invaluable in my own journey in the UK, I moved here from Ghana in West Africa, is just all of the support that I have received from different people that have helped me along the way. And one of the biggest pieces of advice amongst the many that people have supported me with is my difference as my superpower. Um, I had a teacher when I was, um, when I first moved to England, and I was doing my GCSE English. Her name was Christine Stevens, and I'll never forget her. She she told me once, she said, Winnie, if you came all the way from England, from Ghana to England, and you were brave enough to do so, think about all the things you could go on and do. And that was the first time I saw being an immigrant as a hugely positive thing. And I, I believe that when you understand the difference that you bring to the table, you can do anything. So I would say that's my biggest thing that um, I know now on my journey that I wish I'd known earlier in my journey that it really is special to be different. And if we can make all of the people around us that really add to the, add to the rich tapestry of our society, if we can let them know how special they are because of their unique contribution, the world really could be a more magical place. Thank you, Winnie. This is great advice for everybody. It's great advice for myself, and I'm sure our listener will appreciate it too. You know, we are change makers. We celebrate change, and we find strength in change, and we inspire change. And uh, we should all remind ourselves of that all the time. Uh, and on that note, thank you so much for speaking with me today. It has been a real pleasure to learn your views, and I'm sure our listeners learned a lot on the DNI strategy. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed their conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for having me. It's been really great to spend time with you. Thank you for listening to the Changemaker Conversations. Would you like to talk further about unlocking human potential and creating positive change, either one-to-one -one or on this very podcast? If so, please visit haltf.com slash inspire. Until next time, goodbye.